What's up, Comic Book Nation? Welcome to this bonus episode where we are talking all things Spider-Man Far From Home. Thweep, thweep, thweep. We are going to be doing our full review and spoilers discussion of Spider-Man Far From Home. So if you have not seen the movie, this is not the episode to probably listen to. Go back, check out our spoiler-free review of Spider-Man Far From Home, which was a couple episodes before this. But if you've seen the movie, you've come to the right place because we are about to break it all down for you. So, just for a quick survey around the room, I think all of us have seen it. Matt, have you? My co-host, Matthew Aguilar, is here. Hey, so and also on the couch is uh, Brandon Davis, part of the original Comic Book Nation Trinity. And of course, over here in the cut is producer Jim Viscardi. He's waiting with all kinds of, I'm sure, comments and <laughs> observations about Spider-Man. I have uh, so many. Yeah, I know. I, so I can tell when you came in, you were lit up like you were, you were already on it. Uh, Matt, did you see Spider-Man? I have not. Okay, that's right. I forgot. We did this. We planned this. But I read so all the spoilers, the outside, so yeah, you're, you're the outside man observer who can be out here who has How do we have a guy on the spoiler-filled podcast who hasn't seen the movie? Oh, yeah, I, I, read, somebody, I read look, our articles what, on the there, site I know, and got I know the whole that movie. There, there, are people, there are people who I know listen to the show, follow our site, who do not care about spoilers but, yeah. want, but love to just listen yeah. along and, and I mean that's like, fine. And interact. And I, well, also, certain movies, I also though, wanted too. questions from a person who hasn't seen the movie, right? As an okay. outside observer, which is sometimes good to have. I, I was just curious, like what, what, what the choice was. There had to be a choice there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus okay. we just, plus no, we just good. like Matt BD. Why are you trying to? And like, I love Matt. No, <laughs> I, I, I was just wondering. Yeah. Anyway, back on track. Yes. All right, so. Now that we've approved Matt being here. Wow, thanks, Brandon. <laughs> see, that third seat tries to do you dirty, man. I, Jeez. I mean, yeah, Why is he here? Why is he here? Because <laughs> I've seen Spider-Man. That's true. Walkie Dead's over. Get no, him I out of here. No, I'm why kidding. You're asking why. Brandon Davis is here because he has that. seen Spider-Man multiple times and has done extensive interviews with the cast, crew, and the people in charge of putting out this movie, which brings up another good point. We will, in addition to this, Spoiler discussion episode of Spider-Man Far From Home. We have a special edition coming up this weekend. Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Which will be Brandon Davis's interviews with Kevin Feige of Marvel Studios, Amy Pascal of Sony. We got some good insights from them about Far From Home and the larger implications of this movie, which we will be discussing. And so you want to be sure to listen to that because that is scoopage. You're not going to hear it anywhere else. And we're bringing it to you here on Comic Book Nation Mostly because we love you slightly for profit. It's always the same. But until then, let's talk about (laughs) Spider-Man Far From Home. So Brandon Davis reviewed Spider-Man Far From Home for comicbook.com. And now he can give you his full spoiler-filled thoughts on the movie. I thought it was great. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. For sure. Uh, Which you can, I know, making a claim like that always has backlash at me. I don't care. It's great. Start to finish. I think it gets better as it goes. I think it starts great, ends even better. Uh, I don't think a Spider-Man movie has balanced his want to be a teenager and want to be a hero better than this movie has any of them. Homecoming did a great job of it. Spider-Man 2 did a pretty good job of it. But this was the best we've seen of that. Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. I don't think you can fight me on that. I think Tom Holland is the best Peter Parker and Spider-Man. He does both so well. Uh, I think the villain here was a lot of fun, especially for the world we're in right now. He was very relevant to the real world, and I know everybody always wants to find real-world messages in movies. I don't, but if you want to, you can in this one. Uh, and just it, top to bottom, it's a great, and it was full of surprises. You know Mysterio from the comics is 
full of shit. Can I say that on this podcast? I said it. Well, he said it now. It's yeah, a little too yeah. late. <laughs> but, but he's a liar. And going into this movie, you're like, oh, okay, we know he's going to turn out to be a villain. But the way they do it was still surprising. Mm-hmm. The shift in Jake Gyllenhaal's performance when the illusion comes down on the bar yeah. is amazing. It almost was Joker-esque, where he just puts his hand up and he's like, well, it was that easy, and his voice changes, his demeanor changes, his facial expression changes. But even the way, like he's lit, like he's lit from from below. Evil, yeah. He looks it, evil, yep. which is John Watts showing off at this point. Because if you remember when we realized that the vulture was Liz's dad in Homecoming, the lighting there when the light turned mm-hmm. green was genius. So I love that about it, and I just think it's really clever. I know none of this is intentional from the beginning. But it is seamless when you do it now. The tie back to Iron Man 1 with William Gintariva, the guy who, who Obadiah Stane yelled, yelled, he built it in a cave with a box of scraps, tying him in and bringing the original actor back 11 years later to make him a part of Mysterio's team. Not just an actor, Ralphie from A Christmas Story. But it, it yeah. Which is <laughs> so cool. just levels and levels of deep cuts. <laughs> and then just... bringing it back to Civil War and putting, and it's all, it's a, it almost threw me out when uh, they had Quentin Beck at the um, Civil War oh, scene with the bar. Yeah. I was like, all right, you're making that up. But it still works. Like We never saw back there. We don't know if he was there. You go back and watch Civil War, there's probably a space where you'll say, oh, that's where he should have been. But it worked. It's, you you kind of laugh at it, but it's a great tie-in, and it helps explain the yeah, story. It's great for Mysterio in a way to tie him in to the actual They weave this into so many yeah. lanes of the MCU's history, and yeah. I thought that, like, I know it's not intentional from the beginning, and it could be even better if it was, but there's no way Endgame would have been better if they knew where they were going, but mm-hmm. they still weaved it in and made it work. Yeah. I thought this did the same thing in its own on, on a s- smaller, respectable scale for Spider-Man. My only real like negative comment on this is that it that gets to a point where it really leans into the Iron Man of it all, it, right? And, to ACDC playing, yeah, like, like that, that, and that that was a fun moment, but it's just. Like I get it, Iron Man is everywhere, and that's a huge. That plays into a huge, you know, part of Peter's development as a character throughout sort of this in this entire movie. But it got to the point where like you were gonna, you know, they were entering in a new city or whatever, and you saw a picture of Tony or you saw a picture of Iron Man, and you were just like, oh, okay. Like I get it. Like he had enough. Yeah, but he had I mean, this effect it is everywhere. To be fair, I I said the same thing. Um, like I thought that was a little heavy handed. I mean, but. It it does fit the theme of the yeah. of the film, which is Tony's legacy towards Peter and like what that means after the blip and Tony being gone and him having to step up and try to fill that void and ultimately coming away from the film saying like I'm not going to be Iron Man, like mm-hmm. I'm going to be Spider Man. But it also yeah. sets the stage for Spider Man Three to give you Spider Man without Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. These yeah. this has been a two part origin for Peter Parker, really, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. He's he was shit, he was coached by Tony in Homecoming, and now the events of Endgame impacted the first well, movie. Well, right, it, I mean, it, it had to. Everyone keeps Just, saying that Tony is basically Peter, yeah, the Uncle, MCU's Uncle Ben. Yeah. What I will say though is that from general impressions I've read online, most are glowing of this movie, but that actually tends to be the biggest knock is that it that doesn't really ben feel like a full Spider-Man movie. It feels like it's the Iron Man. Spider-Man show, and regardless of what you say about Homecoming, 
whether you love it or not, it's at the top of your list or anything. Homecoming is an unabashedly Spider-Man right. movie. Yes, Iron Man is involved, but it's actually one of the big things when Homecoming was released was that people got an impression Tony Stark would be more involved from the trailers, and right. it turned out he was only kind of a sliver so, of the movie, but, which is way it should be because it's not Iron Man's So let me ask movie. you, though, why... I'm a big Iron Man fan, so I don't mind. And I think it's cool. We've seen Peter Parker before in two different franchises. We've seen Spider-Man in two different franchises. I have no problem changing the story, eliminating. I mean, Uncle Ben is there. He's got the briefcase. We know that that happened, but that's not the big influence Tony Stark is. And there's no secret. He's basically replacing Uncle Ben. But why? I'm just curious. I'm not criticizing you Mm -hmm. for it. But why is it important to you? To have less Tony Stark, less Iron Man, because I I'm into it. I think it's cool. I this thing I don't mind it. it to me, it felt just a little bit too much. Well, I mean, this is the this is the curse of like most MCU sequel films and solo franchises down the board. Like ever since Iron Man two, mm-hmm. it's always this weird kind of mix of telling a continuing kind of self contained story from the first film, but then introducing all of these wider MCU connections that it has to fit in. And sometimes it works like winter soldier works when you begin to get into this larger thing of who the winter soldier is, what that's about his connections to other MCU things that then develop like all that stuff. Or sometimes it's a little heavy handed, like Iron Man two, and trying to get the Avengers connections off the ground, black widow in there. And this is kind of not, the stumble that Iron Man 2 is, but also not like the home run necessarily that somewhere in the middle, Winter yeah. Soldier is. It's somewhere in the middle, yeah. Well, but to me... And they, but I think they get points, just let me finish by saying, like, John Watts gets points because he uses humor to kind of put this stuff up front, mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing with the MacGuffin of this film is the is the Edith, you know, weapon, even and it dead, stands for Even hero. Dead, I'm the Hero. So good. <laughs> which is, like, Tony's parting gift, but it's also... Straight up, com- like commentary on the movie itself yeah. is even dead. Like Iron Man still <laughs> is like the, like a main focus of yeah. this, which movie. is great. If yeah. that, that's but also, great I mean, you have to give it the full circle. This is the last movie of the Infinity Saga, which was launched by who? Iron Man. No, yeah, I get it. But to me, the Spider Man parts of this movie. So the the teenage romance, the 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 antics there. Um, you know, all of like the, the, the tried and true Peter Parker things that you would, you would hope and expect were far and away some of the best parts. I mean, down to this movie to me nails every thing about Spider-Man, even down to the fight choreography and uh, the way that you would expect Spider-Man to, to move and act and fight and whatever is hit on the head perfectly. Like it, it takes everything Everything, every critique that you've had about, like, I would say Spider-Man as a character in all of those other movies mm-hmm. is almost perfected to me, I feel, mm-hmm. in, in this movie. And it gets me excited now for the next one because now I think we'll, we'll truly get that unabashed, just straight up Spider-Man movie that, you know, we've all, all been wanting. I do think, uh, one thing I think the Russos may have done a little bit better, and I, I rewatched Homecoming it was even a little bit more strong in Homecoming than it was in Far From Home. But the quips. Spider-Man almost mm-hmm. never shuts up. He's almost like Deadpool, where mm-hmm. he's always being sarcastic. I think the Russo brothers and um, the writers there, uh, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, 
did a little bit of a better job than either of the Spider-Man movies have done of making him, and he they didn't have him on screen for as long, right. but every time he was doing something, he had a quip. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't remember everybody's names when he's saving the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, when he's uh, like, oh, you're riding a horse to Valkyrie when she picks him up with the Infinity Gauntlet in an endgame. And I think that those moments, there's a couple of them in Far From Home, but I think we could see a little bit more of that because he always has something to say, even when he's getting his ass kicked. But I think that's the best part of it. But amazing. I think though Peter is maturing. Does. Andrew Garfield yeah. does that really well. But Peter is maturing same. so much in this movie yeah. that I feel the quips like that would feel a bit out of place considering yeah. everything else that's going on. Yeah, well, ex- I agree with you. Like the, the I mean, quips and stuff are fun, but for this movie, I think it would have been a little bit more out of place considering the growing up. Yeah, that I think it's doing. understated in this movie, but very well done. How much. Words like angst and mm. like trauma and things like that are at play yeah. in this because it's the major theme of this movie. It's not just, and I like that the Iron Man thing isn't just Spider Man, it's, it's about Iron Man's entire legacy in the MCU and when he's gone, what that vacuum of power mm. is kind of looking like. And that's what connects Peter and Mysterio's stories is basically, yeah, Iron Man's gone and that vacancy has, and he has affected these two people in certain kind of ways, and now that the vacancy is there, one of them is trying to step up and fill it. Uh, Mysterio, through this very kind of, you know, cheat way of doing it and manipulating, but Peter trying to earn it. But they both have these qualities of kind of the angst and trauma of having dealt with Tony Stark and, like, what's left behind after he's gone. For Mysterio, it's having had his kind of genius knocked and kind of having triggered him and triggering this kind of like manic, you know, whatever you want to call it, evilness. And in Peter, it's, of course, the kind of angst and uncertainty of like who he should be, where he belongs now in this new status quo and all of that. So it's not overbearing, but I think it's well done. And I think it's going to make rewatches of the film better when you kind of know all that going in Mm -hmm. when you see who Quentin Beck is pretending to be and like at first, and kind of really. I mean, Nick Fury too. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's a there's a moment early in the film where Nick Fury references Cree sleeper cells, mm-hmm. and it seems like a throwaway line just to get them from the door to the car. And then at the end, you realize, oh, that's not Nick Fury talking; that's Talos talking, because he's thinking about Cree sleeper cells. Well, all right. So, well, let's dive into that for a little bit. That let's dive into. You want to talk post credit scenes? All right. I do want to yeah. add one thing to what Kobe said. I think Tom Holland can have chemistry with anybody. Yeah, I agree with that. Tom Holland and Zendaya are great. Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal are great. Tom Zendaya and is great. was one of the MVPs, you know, MVPs of this movie. Yeah, she as great. this, and I love this new MJ way more than any comic version MJ that that we've ever had. Any other movie version MJ, any anime, any this is this is the best. MJ. She was the highlight of I kind of like Kirsten Dunst's uh, MJ at the time. I mean, yeah, the at time. the time. You yeah. like that upside down kiss. But well, like, right, right. even but then, though, I couldn't that, but take her. I, I think I, I said this, like this morning MJ. where that first Spider Man movie and this Spider Man movie are both movies that are products of their time. Right. Thing. And so, you know, they, they, they serve different things. But I, I am more interested in seeing how that character grows up. Mm-hmm. Than I am in. They're so good at being awkward together. In yeah, seeing that was like my favorite character. thing is how how good Zendaya and Tom but, Holland are at being. Awkward. What about Liz? All of a sudden, he's just. <laughs> I mean, it's high school. Like you like someone every week, whatever. Right. But like all of a sudden, he's all about MJ. When one movie ago, he was all about Liz. 
But I did ask about oh, that. Oh, Brandon Davis. I feel I mean, like anybody I mean, on I'm this, sorry. Yeah, that's, you have anybody well, no, on the stage, you should be the one to understand that. That's it's just yes. funny. But but I, I, I asked about that. He and, swiped, and he swiped John Watts. I asked John Watts, <laughs> and I was like, do you want to, like, did Liz get blipped? What happened? He was like, well, if she didn't get blipped, then Laura Harrier can actually play a character her age because she was five years older than everybody in the first movie. Dude, he swiped left. He was like, I like it. She's hot. Dad's too crazy. Swipe left. And That's I like how her. it works. You don't swipe after you meet them, Kobe. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, okay. So you just proved my point. Yeah, I just really said did. you, Brandon Davis, of anybody up here should understand how this works and how quick you can move on. And you're like, listen, just because I'm the only non-married person on this on this panel here, all right. All right. Can I live my life? Can I <laughs> live? We're gonna keep your Tinder stories off the podcast. <laughs> or now. Um, or now. But like, yeah, he moved on, man. It's high All right. School. Well, well, let's, let's oh, just let's just talk about the Nick Fury thing yeah. real quick yeah, yeah. before we start going back. So, <laughs> this, he has not been a scroll the whole time. Wait, is that what you think? The no, line, the line in the when we got the line in the trailer, the the you know, the B, B word, please. What yeah, you you've been you've been to space from the get go. I I thought was incredibly out of character. Yeah, that's what for, but I for think that what for that Nick better. Fury, and and so when you when you get that, and then there's a little nods here and there, like you said, like there's that Cree, you know, sleeper cell uh, throwaway line, and then when you get the reveal that it's basically been Talos, for what we can only assume is in just this movie, it is just this movie, um, being Nick Fury was was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and it's just. It, one because uh, Ben Mendelsohn as Telos is w- like one of my favorite things about Mike, if not my favorite thing about Captain Marvel. Like he is yeah. just He's so great. good as that character that just to see him pop up in this way is so great. And I think for a while there was there was a bit of, there was a little bit of concern of how much this these Spider Man movies fall in the on the, in the Marvel camp versus the Sony camp and. Who's got control over what, and how much are they going to let Elijah do? I am shocked at the amount that Marvel put into this movie to further their ongoing MCU narrative. Um, when it didn't seem like, when especially in Homecoming, you got it, but not nearly as much as what you got here. Like this would be required viewing, right? If you, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, one thousand. I mean, this is the end. This is the epilogue to Phase Three. Like it's. But like, the craziest thing is, like, yeah. so you get that reveal. And then you get the reveal of Nick Fury in space. Mm-hmm. Has to be building sword. Doing yeah. something. That's yeah. on the peak. It I think has it's, to be. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, first, the Talos thing is great because it does. I mean, it makes it's great because that scene is so funny. And what I love about Talos is Ben Mendelsohn kind of uses it as like a satire about <laughs> acting itself. <laughs> and like he's always kind of making reference to his own performances, yeah. which is what the scene in the car is, which is great because he's also arguing with his wife, which is funny. So it's like two actors like who are married, like having this argument about like performance. And it makes the bitch please line so great because it's not Nick Fury saying something that's just like unabashedly Sam Jackson-ish. No. It's like Talos's interpretation of, of what yeah, he of thinks Fury. Nick Fury is like. <laughs> it's like saying stuff like that, which is just adds a level of like very good meta humor to it. But yeah, the orbital station thing was I wrote about this last night. Um, it's on the site about how it sets up a potentially new story arc. For the MCU. Um, the sword thing, I mean, it, it seems like it's sword. It seems like it's not just a ship, but like an orbital station. It f- To me, that feels like a gamble. Like, I think they can 
retroactively say that that was sword, but that's assuming that when they made this movie, the Fox thing was going to go through. Because that's a, I mean, Abigail like brand yeah is a X Men like it's right. an X Men no, character. She was the sword. She, character she who, in Age of she, no, right? she no. was she was uh, everything sword. Is was X-Men. established in Astonishing X Men and fell into the Fox, which is kind of where why I don't want that to properties. Happen. I don't want. Where Fury were the Watchers? That. Were the Watchers? Fox? The Watchers were a deal that were that were that was made that was they made to include the Watchers in the similar way that they had that weird barter agreement. Interesting. With Ego, right? That was like kind of the same deal, right? right. So like you, um, it's interesting. I mean, maybe they shot it late. Yeah, or it could have just been a shot that they shot. I mean, it was entirely visual effects, so I can't imagine like. Where you look at the shawarma scene, where that was almost entirely practical. Yeah, that's true. Shot on a set, like I mean, that. That was a scene that was almost entirely. Like, let's say it is real. Like, let's say, or let's say, I mean, sword wise. Like, let's say they come out later and go, like, that was. This is the beginning of sword. I, I hope it doesn't lean very much on Fury, like that they involve him a ton in that process. Mm-hmm. Because well, honestly, too, I love Abigail Brand as a character, and she's like well, amazing. She's an amazing character. Here's the thing. Because of Captain Marvel has spun up so much of the usual MCU cosmic order, yep. there's a lot to take away from this scene. Like, first, well, if, he's, if it's sword and he's like, whether what kind of vessel he's on, like, there's mm. something he's doing. It makes sense in the sense that, like, after you everything know, the Infinity that's thing, everything that's happened, like, Fury would be the one person who would deal with it in this way and would say, okay, like I've been keeping my one eye on earth and doing all this, but we are so ridiculous. But my point is not that it doesn't make sense. My point is that this would be a perfect, because it could also be very much them taking the alpha flight station angle of that was the same thing. It was essentially sword updated in another five years of, Hey, here's our, we're protecting space now because cosmic threat. But here's the interesting. My point though is not that my point is that I see this as an opportunity to let Colby Smolders do something and that character can very much you want to be turn in Col- place. You want to turn Maria, Maria Hill, Hill into, into, Brand. into Brand. But You take pieces of that character and give her something to do because she's been one of the most criminally underutilized characters. Like Maria Hill as a character is awesome in the books as far as she's either going to piss you off, but she's always interesting. Yeah. And she's been so dulled down for the MCU. Like they give her nothing. And I would like them she to take this opportunity. Well, I don't think yep. you have to worry so she had much a good about this, in this one. because I think the key detail here is <clears throat> that Fury is up in space doing this work, and he's with a bunch of scrolls, and he's yeah. obviously already implementing scrolls into some kind of subterfuge to go and do stuff for him. Yeah. And I personally think this could be a, an interesting flip on what Secret Invasion is. Yeah. Um, because in Secret Invasion, we were all worried about you know the scrolls being these evil things before Captain Marvel coming into Earth and, and after Endgame infiltrating mm-hmm. Earth. Then Captain Marvel flipped that whole thing and made the Skrulls kind of sympathetic refugees just trying to survive. And it looks like they're still in this light when we see them in Far From Home because they're working with Fury and they're doing this stuff and trying to help Spider-Man and trying to solve these problems. Well, but here's here's this. And like, wait, let me just finish this thought. And like, knowing who Nick Fury is and what he's capable of, like, I wouldn't think this MCU version of Nick Fury and S.W.O.R.D. would just be a station over Earth. As opposed to Nick Fury getting proactive and putting out, like, sleeper cells and using that to go into the galaxy and kind of screw with things and mess with things in the name of safety. Before we saw... What if this is the start of the Kree-Skrull War? Like, we assume assume the Kree-Skrull War already happened based off the events that were in, in Captain Marvel. Yeah. But... 
if this is a, a thing that, that is taking, you know, uh, hundreds of years potentially to, to roll, we may see the sides come to blow sooner than we think. And this may be like if the scroll are rebuilding their numbers and, and all that jazz, like that may still be a conflict that's going on. But also, I mean, it, it, it does just show how easy it would be for them to do secret invasion. And oh, don't, yeah. Like, Look, it's not secret invasion is one of my favorite events yeah, of all it's time. Great. I and, would and love it, to see it, that. Your first thought before you realize it's Talos in there is, oh, oh, they just did secret invasion. And then it becomes, oh, it's, he's good. it's Talos. We're good. He's talking to Nick Fury. But it's introducing that concept because... Not everybody saw Captain Marvel. A mm. lot of people have asked me what happened in that post-credit scene yep. because they haven't seen it. They don't know who the scrolls are. And I explained it to them. You know, not everybody watches every Marvel movie, but if you go watch Spider-Man mm. and you didn't watch Captain Marvel, you're totally you confused no right now and you don't read comics. But so that just goes to, sh- to plant that seed in people's head that these scrolls are out there and another audience has now met them and it goes to show how easy it would be for them to be posing as people on Earth or anywhere. But there's also another weird layer to this scene in that when you first see Nick Fury, he is looking out on a beachfront that looks very much like the Tahiti stuff that they had Coulson, you know... Thought it was Tahiti. You know, like locked into when they were bringing him back from the dead. So like, is this a brought back to life nick fury mm. is this a for the what, for the it, millionth time it, it, or is this is this a nick fury that's had his that's had his brain messed with or like his memories yeah. messed with that's i think you're going deep down the rabbit hole oh, yeah, what's I, I mean, I, but like but like but it would be nick fury staring at a beach thing because he doesn't want to look at his face was it all a mysterious <laughs> illusion <laughs> well, i mean no. that's, there is, that's my theory I, for the yeah, you got there, another deep there is one thing that i would kind of i would be interested to see them pursue is that because like you guys have brought up um how they reversed the way you look at scrolls and the way you look at the Cree in the MCU uh, in even in more recent books, but also for a while, they've established that the Cree have come up with all kinds of technology to essentially one replicate what the scrolls can do. And two spot a scroll from a mile away out of a group of normal people. It's something that the scrolls have been constantly fighting to like keep the technology down so that they don't just completely overwhelm mm-hmm. them. If you already set up the Kree as villains here, then having the Kree play the role of the Skrulls in Secret Invasion comics in the MCU, like essentially just completely flipping the dynamic and making the Skrulls the ones who are trying to find these sleeper cells and things like that would be very interesting if they just went full, like just the completely and reverse I, and the role. I think that's what they're doing. And yeah. I'm interested that Jim, what Jim's saying, could because I'm still the big question mark for me is what Captain Marvel two will be about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's in the '90s, if it's in the present, if it's a combination of the two, like things that happened in the '90s leading to what's happening to the present, like, and so this scene kind of really got my mind going. But I just think the logic of it, and the implications of it, are you give Nick Fury, spy master extraordinaire, now the capability to kind of maneuver the galaxy and have a crew of you know, the ultimate spies who we know are loyal to him <laughs> for some very deep reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what's he going to do with all this? And, like, just hovering over Earth as a defense system doesn't seem like it's... I mean, maybe it, he's just making yeah. an Avenger space HQ. But I think oh. S.W.O.R.D. could be, an MCU S.W.O.R.D. could be, like, yeah. a, a spy okay. organization. Or what if, like, uh, or what if yeah. someone someone from Earth Agents kills, of S.H.I.E.L.D. reboot. If some, Agents of Skrulls. <laughs> someone from Earth kills Nick Fury, <laughs> and then the Skrulls get mad, and that's what sets off Secret Invasion. 
I mean, who could kill him that would make them? If you had told me a year, two years ago, like that would be the case, I would be like, oh, that sounds terrible. But now that actually like sounds legit, just because of the deep. I think they would have to affect both Nick Fury and Captain Marvel. Yeah, and I think I honestly think we will see this second post-credit scene involving the scrolls and the cosmic stuff, and maybe Sword play out before we see the events of the first post-credit scene and the next adventure for Spider-Man play out. I really do. I don't think... I think it's going to be a while. Yeah, I mean, me too. They're not in a rush. Spider-Man. This was, like, this was a huge reveal. Like, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, they're not in a rush. No, but this no, is, no, I this think, no, I think that's going to play out before the rest of the Spider-Man stuff. Oh, oh I'm sorry. So? I'm totally yeah. flipped. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know how much of a rush they are, and I don't know where this fits into the blueprint, so I can't... I mean, I mean this could very much anything. be... This could very much be the next, like, Thanos reveal-type... Yeah, thing if Marvel has shown anything, it's that they're patient. To, yeah, and yeah. they can they'll take their time. Yeah, but I, I I still think that we'll at least start to see that develop more before we come back and revisit Spider Man having his identity outed in the first post credit scene. Oh, Jim's not sure about that. And the mysterious. That the, well, right. Whether that's yeah, I, I want Jim to share his theory. But, but uh, well, that whole thing I think will come second to the next advancement. In the sword scroll yep. stuff, I don't think maybe uh, we dive in fully. But I, think I think so. that comes first. I think so because because I've got more to my crazy first post. <laughs> you were full tinfoil. Oh yeah, oh, I've got. <laughs> By the way, and it's weird. Like uh, there are not many of the Marvel movies and have really kind of done this. To, have really done this for me, but this one I am like all tinfoil hat. So By the way, okay. can we just say that? Like I just was thinking about it. Like yeah. The line that makes even more sense now from Nick Fury when Peter's like trying to name people who should be handling this instead of him, oh, he's like don't. Captain Marvel, and he's like, "Don't invoke her name." <laughs> and I was like, "That's such a weird line for Nick." And Fury now it to makes say. sense. And now, like, it totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And it just makes sense that Fury was slipping that he didn't catch Mysterio. Yeah. Fury mm-hmm. would have called that. Well, that's like, like the whole in joke at the end. He'd be like, he's show like, me. I handle it. Because it looked real. It looked so real. How am I supposed <laughs> yeah. to know? Like, he would so just be like, from tell me how like you sw- traveled between Earths. Show it to me. Let me do it. Yeah. And Talos was just like, all right, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I think, that, and you're totally right because he's an alien. So he's seen a bunch of that. Like, tell us a He's like, oh, yeah, he probably did. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. My cousin Chuck did that. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's interesting that Earth 616 was nothing more than an Easter egg because they're not Earth 616. They're Earth 19999 in the MCU. Yeah, but they're not Earth 616. Yeah. <clears throat> and Earth A three three is what, and there's the, no multiverse. Uh, is the ultimate? Is the ultimate? The ultimate unit. Yeah. 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 Well, so so that that's an interesting that's an interesting thing. The uh, the 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 story idea, the conceit that Mysterio is from a different universe is straight out is straight from that Brian Bendis, Sarah Pacelli Spider Man series, where the ultimate universe Mysterio was an avatar being controlled by the six one six. It was like like a literally like a legit robot yeah. being controlled from the Mysterio of uh, the six one six universe. So I thought that was a pretty cool like little story point that they way to take yeah. it and make it right. not make it crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they took a lot of elements like the make it when, not what you just described as when that Mysterio language. first like was introduced. He tried to frame yeah. Spider Man, so mm-hmm. he acted like Spider Man, and then used it like with the Daily Bugle and all that. They kind of com- mm-hmm. like took pieces of all of those yeah. stories. And put them into this. I mean, that is one thing the MCU has been extremely. I mean, they took Arnim Zola and made that something. But even, but even what are we going to get? Like like Mysterio wanting to be, you know, in show business and like orchestrating the, 
you know the the scene where he's he's working out like that storm it might have. yeah thing and he's just like uh it needs more you know it's like it was a very like michael bay moment because it needs more needs more fu- uh you know, damage or, or whatnot yeah a no, double the damage double the damage yeah i don't know about the choreography on this one yeah, uh, yeah. Like, that was just so great like just the commentary on like blockbuster filmmaking and mm-hmm. like visual effects and kind of invoking that Jake Gyllenhaal Nightcrawler persona <laughs> yeah. where he's like so into this and he's like manufacturing his own realities and he's just like, yeah, that was what was so great about the turn. He was like a twisted like, you know, Steve Jobs or I'm sure there's I'm sure there's layers of people he knows in, in the industry like a Michael Bay or somebody that mm-hmm. he was kind of imitating. But right. like, yeah, that is such a great turn. And that scene and my favorite character in this movie is actually Linda the lady ironing his cape. (laughs) So like Mysterio, Matt like has everything about Mysterio's visual effects. Like they put a hologram over his like motion capture body and like he, that's his suit. But he, for like practical things, he has a real kind of armor suit. Yeah. And like throughout the film, there's a running gag like that, like of all the people he gathered to, for this coalition he got of like former Stark employees. One of them is like a costume designer uh, and Throughout the film, she's always ironing his cape for his next like outward appearance, and they keep going back. To I could her. be shaking hands with the queen in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, yeah, I gotta get ready. Like, cause he's trying to plan like this visual effects thing. Then he's gotta hop into his costume and then be over here to appear as Mysterio. And he's always like, Linda, like, where's my cape? And she's like ironing his cape like throughout. The <laughs> whole like, and also to like the very end where she's like, do I need to still be uh, steaming out these wrinkles? And he's like, yes, yes, <laughs> I need the costume. Yeah, no, that was great. Like, little things like that were just, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, and those were the touches that kind of really made it a Spider-Man movie in mm-hmm. some ways. But, uh, yeah, that was great. Linda, one of the MVPs. So, Heart and soul we, well, of the well, villain. Hold on. But before we jump to that, MCU, the post credit scene, there, there is one scene that I, that I have to talk about, about just being a pure uh, pure vis- visual spectacle. Like, you, when you get a villain like yeah. Mysterio and there's the, you know, the idea of everything that he does, everything is an illusion and whatnot. The way that, like, the, the big fight scene – before the one at the end between Mysterio and Spider-Man, where Mysterio just like just totally beats Spider-Man up, was gorgeous. And oh, it was yeah. so just like the one the, the he, one in the warehouse. He thinks he has a drop. Oh, and he, he thinks, thinks he's warehouse. talking to Nick Fury. Yeah, like that whole sequence There's and like everything. Double, that he triple does. reveals. Yeah, great visual Spider- effects. Yeah. Spider-Man's piling on to him. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And towards the end, then we're like, you know, uh, Mysterio seemingly gets shot from behind from Nick Fury. And then, you know, it turns out. My, my whole audience, when we saw it last week here, like clapped and cheered when they thought Mysterio got shot there. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. There's still like, a lot of time left in this movie. There's no way he's dead. <laughs> but like that whole sequence was yeah, just no, that was so like, creative, so yeah. brilliantly done. That made Mysterio, that really cemented Mysterio as like a really great. MCU villain because that's a hard one to pull off. You always like that's what I was wondering going into this film. I saw like the kind of Iron Man take they were doing that they showed you in the trailers, and I was like, I hope they. I really hope. I know there's going to be a heel turn, but I hope they actually do Mysterio. Right. That it's more than just like Doctor like, Strange yeah. meets Iron Man. Yeah, then then just creating these like. And it is so fake. clear he inspired. I like how they made him look like he tried to copy his costume from Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Thor. Mm-hmm. When yeah. we did the set visit, they pointed that out. But, I mean, it, even if they didn't, I think I still would have noticed. Like, it was obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was clearly influenced because he was trying to be one of those heroes. Yeah. And, like, the sequence is, like, in a warehouse where Peter thinks he's, like, getting a drop of Mysterio, but they're kind of ready for him, and they have this... They're using, they use these Tony Stark drones to create both the holograms and the actual damage that's being done. And, like, yeah, they put him through the ringer of just, like, this crazy 
kind of psychedelic, like weird, mm-hmm. surreal series of illusions that he keeps falling into while Mysterio's just like beating his ass and like yeah, there's even some tricks where you think like zombie Iron you, Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zombie he Iron Man. He puts him in Tony Stark's grave and Iron Man emerges <laughs> wow. as a zombie. There's Marvel zombies called yeah, right there's there. There's like things where you think you think like Nick Fury gets injured and then like that comes back at the end and saves Spider Man from Mysterio, but it's just Mysterio still messing with him and like yeah, it's just it's really great. And it was heavy. Like he tells he Mysterio <laughs> says to Peter, if you did better, Tony Stark would still be alive. Dude, Mysterio like like that. honestly, probably top three, maybe top five Marvel villain for Behind me. Who, MCU Loki, villain? Thanos. Yeah, I mean he was it, like it was uh, Obadiah Stane, I don't know. Uh, he yeah, was he was nice. really, really good. And like I I loved Michael Keaton as Vulture, but this was just like levels above but they're also i mean i just from a base like i wouldn't i would get so much more excited for a mysterio appearance than i would have vulture i mean vulture is just so plain and whatever that's why but like like michael keaton made vulture yes menacing and scary in the same way in the same way that jake gyllenhaal is making yeah but they're total opposites like vulture's like street Street, right. yeah. like down they're, home they're neighborhood separate. Guy. And yeah. Mysterio's like, like up here. Grand. I mean, that's the same as. Like, yeah. But if you're ranking the villains, you can't compare Mysterio and Thanos. You can't com- like it's yeah. it's apples and oranges, but you can still compare them. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, from a, like a power level standpoint, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally different. But just from yeah. a like a pure on performance and just yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal was fantastic. character that that I thought was the most fleshed out. Like he was incredibly fleshed out for the very little that they really gave like they obviously in, in that one scene where he just explains how he got to where he is, it gives, they give you a lot, but everything else before that and leading up to it is like, I kind of still believe that there's a little good in Mysterio just in based off the conversations that yeah, but that could just be him being a good actor and doing acting things to get people to go. I, I don't know. I, I really loved it. Well, that was the kind of thing that I think was interesting is like, it's, it's, it's acting. It's not, it's a little right. bit of truth. It's a little bit of lie. Like, this was his idealized version of who he wanted to measure up to be. I mean, that's his whole story. Like he was resentful because he thought he was a genius on par with Tony Stark and Mm -hmm. that Tony Stark just simply kind of screwed him over and gave him the shaft, which was like the whole kind of unifying thing for his whole crew was like, yeah, we are people who are just as smart as Tony Stark or, you know, really smart except for this one guy. And now, like he's gone and it's our chance to rise and, and become great mm-hmm. too. And like, that's his whole motivation. So like, yeah, from his dress to just the way he actually pretends to be a hero, there is some probably overlap b- between like where he is. And cause he's not evil. Like he doesn't hate Peter. Like mm-hmm. he actually really does like Peter. genuinely like Peter and Spider-Man. And cause he says he feels bad for tricking him and like playing the kid to get the eating <laughs> glasses and he's just, and he even says so. He's like, uh, and that's like a genuine moment. He's not being an ass. He's just like, ah, you know, I feel sp- like almost sorry for the poor sap that I had to do it this way. But like, it is what it is. And so, so do you think he's dead? I don't think he's dead. No, no, he's dead. It, I was actually going to ask about that. It's a very theatrical kind of death. It wasn't as solemn and heavy as a villain death. You, he'll think probably it would be. come back as someone else, and then it'll be revealed that it's him all along. Yeah, or. It's just revealed that the body, I mean, the popular well, thing is that, like, you know, he's got more. To, there's more to this little organization, and it's, like, somebody like Chameleon or something like that. Or just another. a Sinister Six type thing. Or yeah. Vulture might be trying to kill Spider-Man when really it seemed like Vulture came around mm-hmm. and, like, protected his identity when he was in the prison cell. So then you could find <laughs> out that Michael Keaton is really trapped somewhere, and he's willing to team up with Spider-Man to fight Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And a different version of the Sinister Six, like, Vulture's a good guy. It's 
and there's other Sinister Six members mm-hmm. who are what, trying to kill him. Yeah. I, I would think it would be... I'd be more interested to see Vulture start off as being part of the Six, but being the one who ultimately turns and kind of saves Peter. That'd be kind of a good mm-hmm. full-circle way to bring that back around. Plus, Peter needs a new dad. His, his current one is dead. But the first post credit scene, if Mysterio is dead, how does he send a message... Or a fake message to make Peter think that he did. That's the okay, whole thing. Okay, so there, so the there's, so there's a few things. His identity and frame him as a villain. Right. Uh, so, okay. So the first post-credit scene is Peter and MJ swinging around uh, New York, which they, is great because it was like the first set photo we all saw. Yeah. And had right. no idea. Like, <laughs> and it's in all what? the trailers too. I mean, the ending yeah. of the movie yeah. is in the trailers. I mean, you get you get some great you get a great nod uh, to the Spider-Man PS4 game in that, where he takes selfie. the selfie. Yeah. Uh, and it's the and it's the photo from uh, yeah. that they use in stills for the game uh they uh, peter drops mj off at in front of madison square garden in front of my apartment in new york <laughs> on the corner of right. 33rd and 8th right like, on kofi's right from the post office read in the local i knew exactly the bar i drank at every day was like right up above them and i was just like oh <laughs> <laughs> so i'm far from home <laughs> uh, it has to be a lie because those screens don't actually show news well, right. No, so basically, show, like, so, so, so they Garden's get jumped right in front like, of Madison Square Garden. Uh, a, a, just as Peter's about to leave, a news thing comes in, and it's the report that Mysterio, you know, in the fight with Mysterio and Spider-Man, uh, a video has been sent in, presumably from Mysterio, uh, from Mysterio uh, where it looked like he recorded in the very last bits of his fight, um, you know, said... Uh, Execute you, them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's talking a few about things that painted Peter in a very negative light. Yeah, and, but also said, you know, the identity of Spider-Man <laughs> is Peter Parker. Boom! J.K. Simmons comes in, reporting from DailyBugle.net, being like, "Spider-Man's a menace. Mysterio's a hero. He died a hero." Blah blah blah. My theory is well. So there's a scene right before uh, they cut away from everything with uh, the dude who's, who's been helping. Mysterio from Iron Man 1, I can't remember his name, uh, is William. uploading something to a drive that gets pulled out. Mm-hmm. I think it was downloading. I think it's a download. Or, or downloading. Or, or, or yeah. something. Something was being moved to a, a drive. Data was being moved right. here. Okay. But, and so, so one, you go one way and say, oh, that footage was the footage that you know, was being uploaded in, in, into yeah. the drive. I want to believe that... The, it was actually the next sort of simulation that Mysterio was going to do just to screw with Peter Parker. Okay. Or more. Or, or it, more. The future plans that we don't know yet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that it, it necessarily didn't happen. Um, but there is something lingering that was shown intentionally. Yes. Yeah, but, but the I weird thing like, is... Yeah, I mean, but I feel like Mysterio's whole thing to the camera is the... I think they took the footage of... Spider-Man on the bridge in the actual fight. And that's why I think he's still alive. And I think he recorded that other part later. And they put it together and put it out. Where he's just saying, like... Where he pretends, like, you know, Spider-Man's killing him and doing all this stuff. And that's why I think he's probably still alive. Yeah. So your theory is that... My theory is that that whole scene... Is a simulation. Is a simulation. So the world doesn't know Peter Parker. The world does not know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I don't know. So, question then: When is the when do we find out the answer to that? Like, what's the like? Is it do we wait for I mean, Spider-Man sequel? Day. Yeah, I, I would say the the in the next movie. I think your tinfoil hat is not a before? little too tight. Not before Spider-Man 
graduation day. No, because because there's nothing coming up that happens like it, as far as the MCU is con- is concerned, like present Doctor day. Strange two wouldn't be. What do you mean present day? We don't be, know what's coming. Well, but that's what I mean. But like, but like Black Widow presumably. I mean, yeah, it's going to be Eternals. Eternals Well, that's why why I think the cosmic stuff will be explored before the Spider-Man stuff is explored. Yeah. Doctor Strange probably isn't going to take place in New York City. No. Thor is with the Guardians. The Guardians are in space. Black Panther is in Wakanda. Black Widow is in the past. The Eternals are throughout time and Mm. all over the world and maybe gotten probably on a cosmic. Uh, Shang-Chi won't be in New York, probably. There is no New York story on the horizon. There, there's no need for a New York story on the horizon besides maybe the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and, we don't even we have like don't a really, know if that's coming. Yeah, but like, not why, even like a really grounded like, American-based? Why wouldn't Shang Chi or Doctor Strange have some? I get that you're eventually going to like, especially with Doctor Strange. Well, case, well the same way Thor: The Dark World didn't call the Avengers when there was a crazy event happening in in London. No, but the thing is, though, even like. Doctor Strange, for as trippy as that got, there were still there's still going to be little elements of being in New York. Like there's going to be little spots where you're at the Sanctum or something. Else. Like I know these are going to be bigger experiences. And Shang Chi's the same way. Like yes, that character has so much more to him than just being in New York City or being part of the Heroes for Hire or things like that. But you're still going to get those little small moments. And in those moments is when oh yeah, did you hear the news about Peter? So like those little asides that I mean, happen in almost Marvel movie. Maybe you do Marvel get a little movie. nod to it. Yeah, maybe right. you do get a nod to it. It won't be it. explored. But those movies, I, 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 I but I think you. those movies can be totally fine without acknowledging mm-hmm. it. Agreed. Doctor Strange doesn't care about All right. Spider-Man. Let's take a little break. I think it's the best Spider-Man movie. I love it top to bottom and it I was worried about my enthusiasm for Marvel post-Endgame, having been invested for more than 10 years and everything finally paying off, and they hooked me right back in. Got me. I mean, I feel the exact same way. I was not... I mean, we, we have talked about this for a couple of weeks on the show, about how we were not necessarily excited for it, then we got the big post-Endgame trailer. This movie got me right back in, hook, line, and sinker. I think that I still like Homecoming better because I like the intimate neighborhood Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to take away from Far From Home, which is a really good Spider-Man movie, really good epilogue, and the perfect, I think I said on Twitter, digestif for Avengers Endgame, which because uh, it takes some of the heaviness. It does not ignore the heaviness of that story, but it also kind of brings us back to a fun, kind of adventurous Marvel Cinematic Universe experience with the best Spider-Man that we have. So, total win for me. I'm more excited to see it now that I've talked to you guys. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was very tepid going into this. You're welcome, Sony and Marvel. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to actually see it more now because I'm looking forward to seeing how these things play out. And actually knowing what happens, I can look for some of those little nods and and get it. You're just happy that there's Captain Marvel links. I mean, part of it's, yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to lie that, like, Talos is one of my favorite parts of that movie. So, yeah, seeing him again would be great. Well, at least now you get to enjoy it the whole time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's actually kind of cool going in. It's almost like going in after a first viewing already. Like, I go in and I can spot those little nods and get enjoyment out of it, even though I don't, you know, not supposed to know typically. All right, so needless to say, I think it's a pretty easy consensus that you guys, I mean, I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't seen it, but in case you are, go see Spider-Man Far From Home. If you've been on the fence, it's worth it. 
All right. So that'll do it for this special edition of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you for riding with us. If you guys want to jump into the full experience because you just jumped in here to get some Spider-Man spoilers, we post new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can subscribe to our RSS feed for regular updates about the show, or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We are on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, or tell any of your Amazon Alexa devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it will start playing for you. If you want to reach us on social media, hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Brandon Davis BD. And at Jim Viscardi. And leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we will read it in subsequent episodes of the show in our regular episodes. And if we read your review, we will send you some comic book swag or some Comic Book Nation swag. So be sure to leave us that five-star review. You guys have been doing a great job of that lately. Thank you for joining in for this talk and talking some MCU with us on this Spider-Man Far From Home spoilers podcast. We hope to see you guys in the next regular episode. We're out. Deuces. Deuces.